Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders and our program, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month masterclass, we'll be taking your managers through a learning journey, which includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and we'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com slash masterclass. We are very close to the end of 2022, and this is usually the time of year that people start thinking about their resolutions and their words of the year for the coming year. Maybe for some of you, you've got some goals in mind. Maybe this is the year that you're going to start working on your uh, master's degree, or maybe this is the year that you're going to start working on running a marathon or some other feat of excellence that you're really excited about. And sadly, for most of us, that excitement ends about the second week of January when we realize it's a lot harder than we thought it would be. Our guest today is really going to help us think through how we set goals for ourselves, how we measure our performance, and how we leverage that to excellence. Jennifer Watson is a coach, she's a speaker, she's a consultant, she's got an athletic background, and she works to drive and motivate audiences. First of all, I got to tell you, when I was talking to her, by the time it was over, I was physically exhausted. She's got so much energy that it was like resonating, even though we were going on a virtual interview. So I know you're going to really enjoy that. But more importantly, she's got a lot of great stories of resilience, how to overcome obstacles, how to bring the best of yourself to your leadership or to your sport or whatever it is that you do. You're going to enjoy this one. It's an appropriate one to launch right before the holidays. So please enjoy this. But you know what time it is. If you have a personal item, make sure it's tucked under that seat in front of you. Make sure that seatbelt is buckled low and across your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Jennifer Watson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mac. It's an honor to be here and to support your community with hopefully some vital information they can use for this, this month and beyond. Well, it is. I mean, so we timestamp this. We are in December now, and it's the, the year has gone by really fast. And so I suspect that if a person last year said, hey, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to quit smoking, or I'm going to quit drinking, or whatever you do, uh, I'm sure that is a distant memory. And now we are getting toward the end of this year, and I think people are starting to think, how can I make 2023 better than 2022? So there is that. And I thought maybe we could talk about things like that. You know, you are somebody who's very goal driven and maybe we can discuss that. So there's a lot of things we can talk about that I'm sure will help our audience. But maybe the best way is just to let you do yeah. the talking. So 
Jennifer, tell us about your journey, where you kind of got started and what you're doing today, and then we'll just sort of move forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, when people ask me about my journey, this is, it's really fun for me. And I think it's fun for everybody else to do it as well. Just like ask that question to yourself as if someone was asking it to you, because it allows you to see how much you've grown over the years and what you're, you've done to really serve. And honestly, not only develop yourself in a more powerful way, but serve others. And my grassroots was at, honestly, as a high level athlete, I ran track in college. I was an all American. I was always a high performer, always a high driven goal oriented person from a very young age and go figure. I had my injuries. So I got into um, physical therapy. I got my master's in physical therapy therapy. And I started looking at ways that I could help people master their health and their wellness in a physical realm. What I found in my own journey of looking at my wellness and my wellness journey is that life in wellness is more than just physical wellness, that it's mental wellness, emotional wellness, spiritual wellness. And my struggle was in mental wellness. Even as a high level athlete and being quote successful, I struggled with depression. I just struggled with anxiety behind the scenes, even with all the successes. So it started my journey of really figuring out what it means to actually be healthy beyond the physical. And I started my own PT practice that was more holistic, where we engaged people, mind, body, and soul, whether it was a high-level athlete or someone with cancer or someone with PTSD. It didn't matter. We were able to be more comprehensive in wellness. And it started with my own journey and really looking at what true wellness was. And now my journey has taken me even beyond the wellness brick and mortars that I've had into becoming this wellness coach and leadership coach because I've owned businesses and now I can combine what I know about wellness to get you really creating this temple that can show up every day, but also how to lead yourself and your team well, because I've led a lot of teams as a business owner and I call it the wellness and leadership dynamic duo. When you learn to create wellness in yourself, when you learn to lead yourself well and others well, you're unstoppable as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as someone that's just a high performer. And now I get to speak and coach across the country to other high achievers that really want to live a fruitful life, a happy life, a joyful life, a well life. And I just get an honor to do that every day. So that's what I'm doing now. And that's how I get to hopefully engage and impact the world in a powerful way. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's a lot. And obviously you suffer from low energy. I can sort of tell as we talk, but uh, let's go back to your journey when you were a college athlete. So I'm assuming that you in high school were probably a star track mm -hmm. athlete, which enabled you then to move on to the next step. So at what point in your life do you remember getting that internal drive to succeed? Or was there somebody that pushed you? I'm just you know, curious. Um, part is personality. I think there's some genetics in that, that some people just, my, I have an identical twin, for instance, that isn't quite as goal oriented as me, but still loves to create and do amazing, successful things. So I think there's definitely some physiology there that some of us are just innately born to be a little bit better achievers. However, it's in all of us to tap into high performance, no matter if it's biologically in you or not. There's ways that I train people that really want to stay high performance, even if it's not innately in you. I always say, you guys, you know, talent is not transferable. Learning is, and everything can be learned. I've seen high level athletes that were actually average on their high school team or average at work, but they worked hard. And I show people how to do that. But I'd also say from a second standpoint, and I, I guarantee you other high performers that are listening right now are probably resonating with this. 
when I was younger, I actually had a poor relationship with high performance. I, I connected high performance to getting attention and ultimately getting love, being seen. So I had a distortion and that's what actually caused me to overcompensate and really be high achieving for so long and added to my depression, added to exhaustion. I was like, gosh, I can't keep up with all this. I can't be high performing all the time. So sometimes it starts from family dynamics, things we just learn as children that we associate to high performance in that it's a connection to who we are as beings. What I will encourage all of you, if that hits a bell for you, is that I teach and a lot of people can learn to create high performance without this connection to worthiness, that you can actually have fun being a high performer without being worried that if I don't high perform every day, I'm not going to be seen. I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to be heard. You guys, this is a common trauma response. It is a trauma response to all you people that feel like you always have to achieve, achieve, achieve. Now I'm at a healthy state that I have a good relationship with high performance. I'm more high performing than ever more high energy than ever because I have a good relationship now with high performance. So one, it can be physiological. For those of you guys that don't have that Nestle goal-driven instinct, you can train that something I do with my high performers. But two, we want to first look at your relationship with high performance, because if it's that, what I was just talking about, you're going to burn out very quickly and it's going to lead to a lot of other problems besides even depression. It's going to affect so many areas of your life. So let's get you high performance in a powerful way that makes you giddy to show up every day and not connected to your worth. Because again, it's not your worth. It's just you're creating something really epic that you want to give to the world. <laughs> wow. So on that note, I mean, what would you consider to be be a positive driver to high performance versus negative. I'm assuming negative might be if you have an overbearing mm -hmm. parent uh, who are, who's pushing you yep. to succeed. And I am fully guilty with this when my son started playing youth football. I was there with the other dads living vicariously through my kid, yelling and screaming and getting frustrated that he wasn't as charged up to go on the field and hit somebody as I remember myself being 100 years yeah. before. That I know was unhealthy, and I suspect today that's created issues with him as he is a young man now uh, on his own and, and thinking back on how I was probably a very negative force that eventually caused him to quit organized sports altogether. But, but what is a healthy way to look at that? I mean, and you say that there's some that's it's sort of nature inside yes. of you, but I think many people, they have a driving force to push them. I'm just wondering where the line is between unhealthy force yeah, and healthy you know, force. As I said before, you guys, right now, just look at what your relationship is to high performance right now. Is it what we're, we just talked about, where you feel like your worthiness comes from being high performance and succeeding? is your worth coming from that? Do you feel like that's the only way people see you is if you're high performance? That's a what I call more dysfunctional relationship to high performance versus one that you're just using your gifts to create and you're not attached to the outcome. That's a healthy high performance, you guys, because guess what? Go figure. We're not going to knock it out of the park every day. No matter if you're a high achiever or you need a little push, it doesn't matter. Black, white, male, female, you're not going to knock it out of the park every day. But if you can enjoy the process of creation, of getting good at something, of high performing in something, disconnecting it from the outcome, you're going to become unstoppable. We all know, and I know you've done this, you've probably interviewed thousands of successful people. And I guarantee you, along with me, Matt, I've had more times that I've, quote, failed when I've tried to be high performance mm -hmm. versus win. And people only see the winning. But I'm telling you, the ones that stick to the game are passionate about just getting good at a craft, that it's more about that journey than is the outcome. 
when you can have neutrality, everyone hear this word, when you can have neutrality to the outcome and know if you win and you knock it apart, great. If you don't, it's a lesson learned. You keep moving forward. High performance will be lovely to you. High performance will be your friend. And it is something you need for the goals that you have in your life. But if you can disconnect from the outcome, that's huge. For those of us that grew up in a family where maybe a parent was, whether they meant to you guys, by the way, I had amazing parents, okay? It's not, they did the best they could with the tools they had. But if you had a parent that maybe was pushing you and you felt they only saw you when you performed well, this is when you can step back and look at how can I create different in my own kid's life? How can I still fan their gift and help support their high performance, but not connect it to worthiness or me noticing them. This is one thing I tell people to do with kids and teenagers that are really good at stuff. Hug on them, love on them, give them, you know, a lot of attention, even on times when they're just studying for a test or they're hanging out at home and you're like, gosh, honey, I love you. Like when they can see that you see them without performing, it makes it fun for them to want to get high performing. When you can show as a parent, that you can see them and know them and applaud them no matter the outcome, that's when they don't connect love, being seen, being heard, being worthy to high performance. You as an adult, if you don't have kids and you just wanna change that relationship, it starts with you catching yourself doing too much high performance like why am i doing this task am i doing it because i'm enjoying the journey of creating something amazing i want to give to the world or am i doing it because this person expects it of me or i want the attention of this person i mean start just asking yourself questions when you sit for a moment and pause before you perform you'll know you guys again i have a lot of rapid transformational tools i use with people to really break free of that habit so you can have a healthy relationship with high performance and stay high energy like you said i'm high energy i used to not be mm -hmm. mac because i was exhausted living a double life a performance that everybody wanted to see in the background like god i can't keep doing this when I finally disconnected from, again, the result and said, this is for me to give the best version of me, no matter the outcome, I started having fun on my playground. And this is what I encourage you guys to do. There's a lot of tools I can give you even outside this podcast, but just start by being honest. Why do I want to high perform in this particular activity? Is it something I learned as a kid? Is it connected to a dysfunctional relationship to high performance? Or do I really want to do it because I just don't even care about the outcome? I just want to do it. That's health, you guys. And from there, you can create, you can become unstoppable. You truly, truly can be. Well, does that, I'm assuming now that also goes beyond athletics. That's been your background and also as a businesswoman. But I think, um, because there's days like for me, for example, I'll do a workshop and it's a standard uh, topic that I do. And like today, I delivered it about an hour before we logged on. I did it twice wow. yesterday. Last week, I did three. And as soon as I think this is what, uh, like, for example, so we'll take a, a common, so like Jimmy Buffett, right? He does concerts. He's got millions of fans all over the world. And for many people to go see him, that's a bucket mm -hmm. list. So the thing is, they want to go see him. They want the whole experience. But that would not be complete without him singing Margaritaville. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know for certain, but I suspect Jimmy Buffett hates that song. I bet he says, if I got to sing this thing again, I'm going to gouge great. my eyeballs out. And yet he goes and delivers it because I think he knows for some people, if he said, well, I thought about doing Margaritaville. Hey, let me do a jazz version of it. Like, no, no, I want it to sound just like it does on the radio. All right. You know, how do you maintain high performance when you're just sick and tired of the thing that yeah. you're doing? 
is are those two uh, are they completely opposed or is that yeah. possible? So this is one thing I do because you guys, all of us get in that point that you know this is humans just constantly evolving. That is a natural desire. Jimmy Buffett, you, Mac, me, that we want to grow, we want to develop, we want to do different things. As much as we value certainty, we also value spontaneity in something different and creative. So I encourage people that are doing things that maybe they want to serve. You know, he, he wants to give a powerful song. He wants to be there for his people. It's a love of his. But how does he offset? This is boring to me right now. I encourage a lot of my high performers to do things outside something that they're doing all the time that becomes a little monotonous. That is creative. That's just random. That's something that is completely opposite of something you do. For instance, when I got into physical therapy one summer, I literally worked at a dude ranch because I was so sick of doing the exact same thing over and over again, even though I was good at it. I was high performing. And let me tell you, when I came back from that dude ranch, I was a, I was a clown. I was a rodeo clown for this dude ranch. And what that does is it taps into your creativity. It brings you back into high energy again, and it gives you creation ideas for even going back into the work you do even if you're doing the same song. So I encourage people, if you're sick of doing the same thing on over again, even though you're good at it, do something completely opposite that taps into your creative zone. It'll create creation there and back into the area that you're going to be working in. And it just creates this balance of joy and peace with everyone. You guys, high achievers, high performers understand blocks of high performance, but blocks of keeping themselves healthy. One thing I work on with leaders is creating mind, body, soul, wellness, tap into things you love that fill your cup. And then when you go back to things that are redundant, it doesn't seem as redundant. You can probably put a little spin on it. So I'd encourage all of you to do that. But for me, what I see a lot of high performers, um, probably the biggest thing that they struggle with more than just boredom. Boredom is one thing. The other thing is regulating their emotions, mastering their emotions, because a lot of high performers get really passionate and then they crash and they get really passionate and they crash and learning more than boredom. Boredom is a good thing. It allows you to shift into something to do something about it. Like you, you're so bored, you want to do something different. And it actually does what I just told you guys to do. It kind of pushes you to do something. When you're like this with your emotions, which again, a lot of high performers are, we're like, yeah, hi, we knock the part, then crash and go low. When you can learn to master, I do a whole presentation on this. I do a signature speech on this, Mac. One of the key things in life for high performance, and honestly for most people, is learning to master your emotions, to be able to stay here when this is happening in your life when you're successful, when you plummet and you fall and you have to learn something. When you can be here, what did I say before, neutrality? There's a whole course I mm -hmm. teach on learning how to master your emotions no matter the environment, no matter if it's you're successful in that environment or you crash and burn. And when you can learn to master your emotions and learn how to tap into spontaneity when you're bored, you guys, you're unstoppable as a human being. Forget being a high performer. You start mastering yourself. You start mastering environments. You start mastering other people. You help them do the same. So this is kind of going into my wellness and how to really master the chemistry of vitality. But it really is mastering, mastering your emotions, which is part of your wellness, which is part of your vitality, which is part of your energy that you want to bring to the world. So all you high performers, yes, do something fun that's opposite of things that you're bored doing. It'll ignite the fire into you. And two, you got to learn how to master emotions, something I love to work on with high performing leaders. Well, so let's take that for a second, because 
I'm kind of in that boat too. I do what I do. I love what I do. People kind of have a certain expectation to do the things that I do, but my mind is more creative. I like trying new things. And again, I don't want to deviate too much from what I've already done. So my creative pastime is I love doing art, but I also love competitive barbecue. And so my fear with that, because it's the kind of, uh, it's the kind of hobby that number one can be very expensive and it can be very addicting as well. And especially if you like eating stuff that's bad for you, you know, there, there's no such thing as a pit master that can fit in a speedo and look credible, right? We all just put on weight because yeah. you're cooking. My fear is, I don't, I mean, I guess I could consider myself a high achiever. Now, compared to you, I'm sort of stumbling around like I'm on Valium, but I tend to be very focused and dedicated. My fear is I don't want that to go into my barbecue hobby because you can spend a shit ton of money on barbecue stuff. To get six perfect ribs, you cook five right. racks. It's expensive, and then you got all this food you got to give to your neighbors. How do you prevent yourself, if you are a high achiever, from allowing that to drift into the thing that's supposed to help you unpack and unwind from your high achieving yeah, day yeah. job? So, you know, high, high performance is a thing, and it's a beautiful thing. I always say, and I want to be very clear, everybody hear me out, okay? High performance in, in goal orientation and drive is a powerful gift. However, I'm a big believer, and this is something I teach a lot of leaders too, it can be taken too far. Any gift, you have to know there can be subtle little things that happen that bring you into a zone that you shouldn't be. Just like, for instance, empaths. It's beautiful to be empathic, but when you don't create healthy boundaries, it can end up draining the energy out of you, right, you guys? So First and foremost, know that any gift, we want to start looking at being aware, are we creating healthy boundaries around it? When we look at what you just said, high performance, now I'm starting to do it into barbecue, Jennifer, and I'm taking up a lot of time and energy and money. How do I know when to stop, how to stop? You guys, it's so easy. I'm going to give you something I give to a lot of my coaching clients that pay me a lot of money, okay? <laughs> Two things, okay? Hey. One, look at your core values. What are your top five core values? You guys, right now, as you're listening to this, write them down. And if you don't know what they are, that's okay. Think about it. Okay. Are they integrity? Are they honesty? Are they hard work? Are they perseverance? Are they family? Are there deep relationships, connection? Is it wellness? Like, is it spirituality? Like, what are your top five? No more than the top five. Okay, you guys. From there, you can then create healthy boundaries around a task, an event that you want to take part in that you're excited about. So for instance, okay, I want to have, you know, one of my values, core values is integrity. Okay. Integrity is huge in every area of my life. If I was going to put it to barbecuing, okay, let's say I'm like, you know what? I okay. need to limit my time. I love it, but I have a lot of things to do. What boundary can I put in and stay in integrity with that boundary? And I'm making this up for you, Mac. I'm going to only do, sure. you know, 30 minutes of barbecuing, whether it be research or actually on the barbecue daily because that feels good to me. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm staying in integrity. It's still a love of mine, but I can get the other things done I wanna get done. That would be important to me. It's aligned with my core value, and I just made a boundary around that core value with that particular event. And then, big caveat, you guys, so I believe in mentorship for a variety of reasons, get an accountability person, okay? If you feel that you're kind of going down this road, that you're expanding too much time and money, accountability is huge. When you know you have to check in with someone, that you know is there to check in with you, there's gonna be a higher you know, opportunity of you not going down that path of overdoing it. 
You guys, I have had mentors my entire life for different areas of my life for a variety of reasons. One, accountability. When I set something, a goal in mind, when I want a boundary around it, and I want to create integrity, it's one of my core values. I have a mentor that keeps me there. Do Have I failed in the past? 100%. It's not about judgment. It's about allowing you a community to make sure that you are supported as you're doing something that you love, but you don't take too far. So that's what I would say would be the top things I would give to people to kind of create that balance, so to speak, of something you love, but keeping it in check as well. All right. So I'll ask you a personal question. So for you, what is that, uh, I guess, creative outlet that is not that hard driving Jennifer that I have yeah. on the show right and now? What are the things you, you like guys to do? follow me on Instagram, which I'll be giving you my Instagram handle. You and I do it on LinkedIn. I do it everywhere. Dance is my creative space, hmm. whether it be dancing, going out with friends, dancing in my living room, going on a run and dancing in the mountains. Dance is my way of being unstructured. Dance is my creative way of just being spontaneous. I've been known to like break out and dance in the middle of like a road. You guys, and I'm being serious. Watch my Instagram account. <laughs> I give a lot of powerful tips, but I'm dancing there too. And it allows me to balance out this structure, you know, this stuff that I love to do and be creative in, because by the way, you guys, high performance is creation too. It's beautiful. But the way I off balance that is I love, love to dance. There's many other ones, but if I had to choose one, the one, it is dance. I do love to run. I'm a runner by, by nature. Ironically, I'm not a weight bearer in a status because I just had a surgery. So I'm not doing a lot of walking right and running right now, but dance is hugely beautiful. And by the way, you guys, side note, side note, if any of you like dance, if any of you like dance, this is something, again, I'm going to give you another technique because I just feel generous today. <laughs> so powerful. When you are struggling on regulating your emotions, you're maybe plummeting in something, fear, anxiety, overwhelm, okay? A great way to rip off the bandaid and get into a little bit higher frequency more powerfully is dance. Why? It's physical movement, one, okay? Two, it moves energy through the body. So whatever negative energy you have, it actually energy, you know, emotions, you guys are energy. It moves it literally through the body. So it gets you already a higher frequency of mental resilience, mental toughness. And two, it optimizes and activates your creative zone in your brain. So if you're down and out, you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have ideas. I'm not creative. Go out and dance for three minutes. I've been known to go out in my driveway for three minutes in the middle of just feeling stuck at home on something I couldn't get through. And I just was feeling frustrated and anxiety about it. I went to dance for three minutes and I came back to my computer. Now I'm in a higher frequency and I have all these new ideas. You guys, dance does it. It taps into so many areas of wellness, mentally, emotionally, physically. So if you want a quick technique to kind of move it up just a hair when you're in that period of learning how to regulate your emotions, again, highly recommend getting a coach to help with that, but that's a, a great space to go. And that's also another reason why I love it. Just with my history with mental health, it's a really great way for me to pull up into a high frequency again and just not to let the day be sabotaged because of something that just happened that I can actually master it and master my vitality again and get back into the game for the rest of the day. Well, let's go back because I want to kind of revisit your journey as you went through college as a college athlete and performed at a high level. So at what age were you when you began to do organized yeah. athletics? I'm assuming that's kind of where yeah. it started. And then, and then, so at what point did you suddenly hit that thing where now you went from just somebody participating to the high yeah. achiever? 
Do you remember what that looked like? And yeah, how you know, you I was in sports from a very young age. I grew up in Montana. You guys, you know, and my, my parents were always wanting us to explore whatever we were excited to explore, whether it was sports or not. But my twin and I were both very into sports. And we found out, both of us, that we were very fast, you know, whether no matter if it was just running like track or we were in other sports and we were we were the fast girls. So from a young age, I just loved running. I loved being fast. And not just because I was beating people. It was like, I knew it was a gift. It just felt so good as a kid to be able to run everywhere and run fast. It was something I felt probably from a very young age, I would say like seven to 11, 12. When I actually started getting in more organized sports in organized track and fields more around 12, 13, and already people were starting to notice me. You know, even when we were doing track and field in the elementary school to more meets and stuff in the summer, they were starting to notice my talent, even my twin sister's talent. The irony is, you guys, high performance, drive, right? My sister wasn't as much into the competition of running as I was. So I ended up doing better than her, not because I was more talented. Remember what I said, you guys, you can train high performance. I got better than her because I desired it more. I loved and I had joy in it. This was still when I was having fun and not connecting it to worth. I was just enjoying the process. So it was probably around 12, 13 when I started getting recognized. And that's when I started really competing more and then enjoying the success that was coming with high performance. But that also created that pivotal part of worthiness too. And that's where that, that caveat of, gosh, is this really all that I am started forming? But honestly, if you guys could just go back to when you were a kid, that's a great way to get back to high performance and just have fun doing it. I learned from a very young age that was very, very skilled. And then I started refining the craft, started probably around 12 to 13. I'm going to say this as a side note, Mac, and I'm just downloading this. And I really want, because I know a lot of people listening have teenagers or preteens that are really good at a sport and want to push them and looking at scholarships for them. You guys, going back to the original part of our conversation, but you guys, from a physical level, you got to be careful of putting someone in one sport year round because it creates a lot of times tendencies toward injury because you're doing the same motion over and over again throughout the year. The kids need breaks. Also, they're going through high developmental stages with growth. It puts them at higher risk of performance, okay, in, in injury with performance. But also to you guys, kids, let them be kids, I'm going back to my high performance when I was having fun with it. Okay. When we get kids into high level sports and in, in doing competitions at age eight, I actually have to say, I disagree with that. Let them play, let them explore what they're good at. Let them connect just playing and high performance to just the act of high performance. This does drill in the whole point of, that I was going back to earlier, Mac, that when we do that with kids, they start getting this impression of performance equals worthiness because we're getting so many pats on the back as a young kid. We don't know how to ingest that. Along with the fact that you're more prone to getting injury when you're growing up and you're going through these growth spurts. There's a lot you need to be careful of as parents. And you guys, by the way, when a kid is good at something, you want them to fan their gift. My parents love the fact that I love to run and I want to fan my gift. That's not what I'm saying. But again, there's a balance. Connecting what is their relationship to high performance? Making sure you're loving on them, seeing them without the high performance, making sure you're giving them breaks, making sure you're giving them an opportunity to try different sports, not only to keep away from physical injury, but mental injury, connection to this need to always perform and becoming exhausted. So learn from what you learned as a kid. Make it joyful. I loved it when I was a kid. And I remember specifically when I got really good and then it took off and I started changing the relationship. Make sure you're surrounding your kid 
with opportunities to be high performance, but be in a safe environment that they can just be a kid and enjoy performing for performing sake and not be, to be successful at it. So that's kind of a long answer, Mac, but that's how I began my journey. And that's what I would say I learned from my journeys. Keep it fun for the kids. And for those of you that want to continue sports now, even as adults, keep it fun. Remember, neutrality on the outcome will make you a better performer and make you enjoy the process and do that for your child as well. No, I, I, that makes sense. And I think thinking back, um, we didn't experience so much with our daughter playing soccer and then later lacrosse, but certainly I remember yeah. with football. And I think the reason I pushed my son into it, I didn't play till I was in high school, but I never felt like I got a whole lot of life lessons from my parents. And so football taught me lessons and taught me about resilience and putting in hard work and focus. And I think a lot of guys my age discovered that. And I think for me anyway, I can only say I, I wanted my son into it because I thought I want him to learn wow. those lessons. And it's funny because now it just dawned on me probably earlier this year that everything I wanted him to learn from football were all the things I just could have taught him myself. I just didn't have a teacher. I thought football was my teacher and therefore it should be his teacher, but I'm his teacher and his mom, my wife is his teacher. and so. I think it now, I mean, we all know this when we get older. And so I hope if you're listening to this today and you have young children, take it from me, an old geezer who's got grandkids now, who if I could rewind it, I would have told Dustin, you don't have to play. I forced him. And I think he still resents it to this well, day. You know, but I think that is such a, that's such, it seems like you're proposing such a healthy relationship. And and I can obviously tell you're not a TV watcher because you got too much energy to sit still. But right now there is a commercial for McDonald's and it's two baseball teams, two youth baseball teams. And one coach says, hey, you guys, you were great today. And then the other team is that lost. Well, this wasn't our finest hour. So you know what? Let's go to McDonald's. Let's go. So both teams go to McDonald's. And I thought my first reaction was, that's what's wrong with youth sports. They don't play to win. Then I thought, now, hold on a minute here. You know what's most important about youth sports is that you play and then regardless of the outcome you celebrate because if you love it you'll play later when it really counts but just get used to enjoying something different so i know that no, wasn't no, no. the reason I, we scheduled a podcast but i think it brings up something important that i think younger listeners out there with younger kids are probably thinking well i went i played yeah. lacrosse and field hockey and by golly, my kid's going to do it too. Well, don't be shocked if your kid says, can I just do dance lessons right, instead? Right. You know, after all, Jennifer said, when and yeah, dance, you know, dance, right? but, you know it's, it's so interesting. This is why, you know, I work with a lot of, you know, high performing leaders in their 30s and 40s, and they want to do it different, right? And what a beautiful opportunity, we just said, is not only be able, and I actually have a whole course on this, where they're kind of learning it together. We're bridging the gap between the kid that's struggling with high performance and worthiness in the parent that in their current life is that and how they can help heal each other and do it differently. You guys, this is real stuff. And what a beautiful thing that it's never too late to shift. It's never too late to, in this case, change in high performance in the health, healthy relationship with it, whether it be with your kid, for yourself, you both can be unstoppable. And Kobe Bryant, when he was alive, they talked to him like, how do you stay high performance? You're so good, blah, blah, blah. You know what he said? I'm going to tell you guys pretty much what I just said. He said, the people that have stayed in the sport and continue to do well. And he's talking about basketball. He's like, we freaking love the game. It's not about, he goes, you know, he goes, you guys don't see all the, the times 
that I don't get the goal that I had. He goes, there are many games where I'm like, I did not do well or do to what I felt was my full capacity, but it was a moment for me to learn. He said, the reason why I stayed in it was not for the successes, not for the championships, not for getting back when I lost. He said, the love of the game. You guys, that gives me chills because if you're in love with the process of peak performing on something you love, you guys, you're unstoppable for one, but you're in high energy and you have this passion for life and it's contagious for your kids. It's contagious for the world. So if you can find something that you are so passionate and in love with, like literally in love with, and you're married to it, again, the highs, the lows, the wins, the losses, it doesn't even matter because you're in love with the game. And I love that quote from him. And that's how I teach people to really wrap through that, regulate the emotions, break free from these old relationships and fall in love with yourself, fall in love with the game, fall in love with peak performance. And again, you'll be unstoppable in the life that you really, really desire. Excellent. Well, the last thing we got to talk about, Jennifer, is you've given us a lot of free advice now. How can we reach out to you and get the stuff we're probably going to have to open our wallets for? Because obviously, if you're listening to this today and you're thinking especially as we start getting ready to go into the new year, hey, I want next year to be better than this year. Jennifer, how can we reach out to you to have you come alongside us and help us in that journey? Well, thank you so much for, for offering that. And I'm a big believer, Mac. Um, when you invest in yourself, and that means investing financially in yourself, People ask me how I became successful so quickly because I invested in myself. I invested in mentors. So you guys, there's no, that's the best gift, by the way, you can give your family members, your friends is the best version of you, which means investing in you. So if you want to come and connect with me, have questions about this podcast, want to DM me, I'm the most active on Instagram at the Jennifer Watson and LinkedIn at Jennifer Watson Leadership. And I do have programs. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching to group programs that I'm going to be launching again in January. And we have special deals, go figure, going on right now during the holidays. And when you invest now, the power decision is real to create the momentum you want into next year. And if you want to get your vitality back, if you want to create high performance, no matter the environment, if you want to lead yourself well in your team and the impact you want to create to the world, connect with me because we have some beautiful programs that can get you there faster and more powerfully. So I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Excellent. So the Jennifer Watson on Instagram, Jennifer Watson on LinkedIn. If you are Jennifer Watson leadership, Jennifer Watson LinkedIn. leadership. Okay. So if you're listening to this right now, Hey, it is a good time of the season to start thinking about this. I'd encourage you to reach out and make sure that 2023 is going to be the year that you arrive. We're excited to hear all about it. Jennifer, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Mac. It was an absolute joy. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years and I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs, more information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. 
We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.